Right, welcome back to the ProFit Podcast. We're back to a, uh, a full attendance today. Paul, I'm back. I'm back with you. Paul's obviously here. I've just uh, I've just mentioned him. How you doing, Paul? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Good to have you back after a week flying solo. It's definitely easier with a couple of people. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, today's episode 69, we're going to go through um, the topic of price increases, something that's really important. It was a topic that, that Paul suggested, so I'm, I'm just going to sort of throw it over to him for a moment just to introduce it and, and sort of, you know, sort of ask the question to you, Paul, why do you think this is something that we need to discuss and why is it so important? Well, one, because we haven't done it yet. I was looking at episodes that I think are common and that's the second reason really is that it's really common. So when talking to trainers and mentoring, coaching trainers, it always comes up at some point. At some point in their PT journey, they're going to have to up their prices. That's part of the business. So the amount of convos I've had with people over the years and you've had with people over the years, I thought it was one we definitely needed to talk about and we haven't done it yet. So I thought it'd be interesting to get our take on price increases and all the facets that surround it and maybe give people a few hints and tips about how to actually get it done. And I think it's actually really nice to be in a position where we do talk about price increases because I can imagine that there's plenty of PTs in the industry that over the years don't change the price Um actually think I've, I've witnessed yeah. some scenarios where it's actually they start decreasing prices they sort they sort of end up with a race to the bottom the way they start packaging things and stuff like that so yeah it is nice to actually speak to trainers that are thinking of increasing prices because it says a lot about them as a as a person and as a business as well and how serious they're taking it we've got like a few bullet points down to cover but i guess that's one of the first ones we can talk about is when do you increase prices because you're talking about the flip side of that there aren't you that a trainer would start to decrease their price. And that's likely to be because they're not getting any clients in. It's likely to be because they're struggling for business. So that probably answers the reverse question of that is when do you increase your price? Well, I think basically when you're doing a great job and you're full, it might not be that it's a set period of time. It might not be that it's 12 months, which is what we always aim for people to be increasing their price after 12 months. But it, that's not a black and white rule. If you're full and you're doing an amazing job and you've got raving fan clients, basically, if you've got a commodity that you can sell at a higher price, then why not? Like, what are your options? You've, you can't take any more people on. So the option is then to increase the price of the package. Yeah, yeah. And it's a simple, like, economic principle, that, isn't it? Supply and demand. Yeah, that is exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's as, as simple as that. If there's more demand there than there is supply, then chances are the cost of that product is going to increase. Yeah, yeah. So in an ideal world, it is done yeah. at that time. You're full, you're busy. You might even have a few people waiting to join your services or whatever. And I, I would argue that that is yeah. the ideal situation. What I think usually happens is that we end up with trainers I know you'll have had plenty of examples of this, Paul, where we see what a great job they are doing for their clients. They don't quite see it from themselves. So generally, it's I think where you and I spend most of our time helping people with price increases is actually in relation to confidence. It's not a, it's not a price yeah. problem. It's a confidence issue. Yeah, it's a belief in yourself that even when you're doing an amazing job with people, you still doubt whether you can actually increase that price. Like I've got a story that I tell quite a lot when training people on this is that I've had a client who's still a client now for 12 years or whatever. And I remember doing a price increase and, and giving him the, the message around it and the communications, like the email. And then I talked to him afterwards. There's a whole process to that. 
And I remember him saying to me, I'm surprised you didn't put it up more. I was like, oh, right. He goes, you're really good. I was down in London and, and you're easily the best trainer I've ever had, even the ones down there or whatever. And I was like, oh, shit. So you think I'm undercharged? And he went, yeah, I would say so with that in- increase. I was like, oh, bollocks. <laughs> and I can't go backwards. But it was good. Like, it, just a confidence boost, I think, just to somebody to say that, is that if anything, this higher price is too, still too cheap. You're still kind of underselling yourself. And I think there is a bit of that with every trainer, isn't there? You, you need to get that confidence to, to really believe that you're worth that price. Where do you yeah. think that comes from then? When do you think people start developing that? Well, it's actually one of the things that I noted down here in the notes. So I think it, it comes back to first and foremost, you've got to be delivering amazing value. You have got to be doing a good job. And, and that includes like getting results, yeah. improving your own skills, making sure that you've actually improved your ability to coach people, make sure you're having a big impact and make sure you're providing an experience. And those last two in particular are important impact and experience because that's what sets a service apart one from the other. So I think that's something. And then what I've actually made a note of is one of the the systems that you and I have talked about many times, Paul, is like referrals, testimonials, things like that. And I think that just before a price increase might be a great time to have a look and and see when was the last time you got a, a batch of testimonials in or a batch of feedback, especially if you've got clients that might have given you a testimonial sort of six months in, but now they've been training with you another six months go back and get a bit more feedback, go back and get a bit more from the story, the testimonial, because I think without blowing smoke up your own ass, it'll give you a little bit of a confidence boost. It will, when you read those words and how you've actually changed someone's life, it does give you that massive boost and everyone needs that in some way. I got one this week with the, the brides that I help. A bride sent me a short message that said, you know, I sort of, I came to you to get in shape for my wedding, but you've changed my life. Yeah, um, I'm dead right. You know, I had one about, I had one about the podcast this week about the last episode we did, saying that was amazing and blah blah blah. And it's like it just gives you that little bit of confidence to go, oh, this is yeah. reaching people. It's effective. Yeah. So we all need that, regardless of how long we've been in. But I just think, in regards to sort of a a newer trainer, someone that's thinking of doing this, collect collect that information, collect that, um, you know, in and make sure you're doing a good job. Um, and it is actually something we're going to discuss in the next episode, but. There is an element of, of things that you do outside of your business as well on a daily basis that help improve your own self-confidence and your ability to then sort of show up every day in a certain way and things like that. Um, yeah, again, right. when, when you've proved that to yourself as well, that you can do the tough stuff, even when you don't feel great and you see that other people around you don't do that, I think that's another little signal where you go, I'm getting testimonials, I'm getting referrals, I'm getting results. I'm able to do the stuff that other people struggle with. Other than that, it's about forcing someone to do it, which sometimes we've had to do in a mentoring (laughs) in a a scenario. (laughs) Put your prices up. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, we believe in them so much that we know that the price increase will go smoothly. It's just getting them to do it and getting them over the line. But that, what a great piece of advice there is just gather some some evidence. If you you are feeling a bit of self-doubt, get some evidence in to show you that the opposite's yeah. true to show you that you're doing an amazing job and you're solving multiple problems for your clients that's yeah. that's one of the things that when i look back i actually think works really well with when i had to go and do like my assessments through profit is that in order to pass that first round of assessments you have to actually bring some of your client work that's right yeah 
You have to show that you've done a good job. And in doing that, it makes you go and collect all of the work. You've already got all that information, by the way. It's already there, but you've got to put it in like a, a usable format. And I remember doing that process and thinking, I'm, d- I'm doing all right with this. I, I, right. Seem to, I seem to, and then, and then we went, you know. And, and then you've part been on the is, flip side of that, reading some of those yeah, testimonials yeah. of trainers who were assessing. And it's, you know, it's really so nice it, to kind of give them and, a pat on the back. I know it's a bit of a... It's not necessarily what all trainers go through, but then because we actually then pass an assessment as part of that, you go, right, I've passed my assessments. I've shown all this work I've done. They're yeah. telling me I need to increase my price. Maybe I just need to listen. Um, yeah. The other, the other thing I would layer into this, Paul, that I think helped me and helped other trainers over the years is making sure that, like, I, I don't know if this is just a personal thing, but I, I find it hard to try and improve my financial situation just for the sake of it. So yep. if, you, if you're going after more money just for the sake of more money, it can be a little bit difficult, I find personally. So I have to go at it from a place of if I'm going to increase my prices or if I'm going to increase my revenue, how does that actually improve my life? What difference does that make? How's that going to tangibly change what I can do or what I no longer have to do and things like that? And I think sometimes that's another nice way of building up a bit of confidence and a bit of reason behind doing it is you know, what do you now get back out of your business after putting all this hard work in for this last six, 12, 18 months that you've started it? Yeah, getting some some leverage on what the money means to you so that it's yeah, going to allow yeah. you to either, it could allow you to do a better job with your clients as well. People underestimate yeah. that, that, you know, potentially if you are going to save yourself having to do an extra five hours of training people per week because the price has gone up so you can make the same money, for less hours it's not just about making more money it's potentially about having more time and that might mean that you can do a much better job with the clients that you've currently got and therefore you can feel more fulfilled in what you're doing so there's there's all sorts of value in in increasing your price it's not just about bringing more money in definitely about feeling like you're doing a better job and you're getting more of what you want yeah yeah i'd agree with that and you can even use it for reinvestment purposes as well in the business um so I think, yeah, having a look at your own personal financial situation is part of it as well, because we often find that trainers early on are even at a stage where they're paying themselves like a fixed wage or anything, even though we yeah. teach it, forces you to look at it and go, well, if I did increase my price, I could pay myself this much every month and know what was coming in and blah, blah, blah. So it just makes yeah. you take things to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of other bits we've got down for this, so I think that that's some of the reasons why trainers would want to increase their prices and when's the right time to do it and and what sort of how do you build your confidence around doing a price increase as well and you know you mentioned about why get somebody who is going to hold you accountable to it as well you might need a mentor to go you're doing a really good job here and you just need to charge more for it you're worth it somebody to kind of fight your corner and back you up but also gather those testimonials in, get some evidence get some proof that you're doing a good job for yourself and i think the next bit then is to have a bit of a system to that have a structure to how are you going to go and approach this because it isn't it isn't going to just be a case of going surprise your prices have gone up like at the end of the month and now you've got to pay me five ten pound a session more um you are going to have to layer this in and there is a kind of method to to easing it across the clients and there's different ways of doing it i'll, I'll quickly run through yeah. how i've done it and how i've taught other trainers to do it but i would always obviously give people notice we want to make sure we kind of put a deadline on it ahead of time. So you might say, 
you know, we're, we're recording this now in May. So I might say, right, I'm going to increase my prices in September or something like that. Yep. The way I like to approach it personally is I would write down some of the materials that I'm going to send out in terms of emails and maybe an FAQ or something like that around it. I had to do a bit of an FAQ when I went into like a semi-private model and address a few of those things. Yep. So write a few things up first just to get my head around how it's going to work and why it's going to work and blah, blah, blah. But before sending anything like that, personally, I always preferred to have a face-to-face conversation first. So speak to my clients, let them know that it's happening, talk through it, maybe get a little bit of initial feedback from them so that I might then have to change a few of the bits I've noted down that are then going to get sent out as emails and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I did it that way in a basic format. It was, look, here's what's happening. Here's why it's happening. Here's how it's going to impact you. Um, any questions? If yes, then obviously work through them. If not, just to let you know, I'm going to send you an email to back all that information up and you'll get a little reminder in September that you need to switch your standing order. Is that okay? Yeah. Right. That's correct. Perfect. On. Yeah. And just send all the stuff out. Like I say, the only bits and pieces you might need to do a bit of work on is we were talking just before we hit record about always having other options. So if people didn't want to pay your extra price, they might want to go into semi-private or maybe even an online offering or something like that if you didn't want to lose those clients. So it might just be that you have to sort of write some stuff up around those areas and what that actually looks like if you've not done it before. Yeah, I totally agree with all that. I think the, the, what, that biggest point you mentioned there about giving, give people a bit of notice like try and plan this well in advance. Was it one of your mentees gave somebody like six months when they knew they were going to do their exams, their assessments were coming up and they were in July. And I think they said to everybody in January, this will be happening in July because I'm sitting my assessments. I'll be moving up in terms of my qualifications, my experience. And the plan is to change to this model from July. As much as you can give people, give them warning. I think that's perfect. And then, yeah, the, the FAQ thing's interesting because I had this this week with a mentee. It's about knowing what you want the business to look like next as well. So are you moving more towards a semi-private model? And therefore, you need to answer all the objections to what people are going to say well in advance of telling them that you're going to do semi-private. Because, again, we'll have had this conversation with ourselves, is, is that don't expect people to say yes first time. Like you're going to tell them that, oh, by the way, we're going to a semi-private model chances are they're going to say, I don't want to do that. I just want to stay on one-on-one. It, they don't really mean it. <laughs> I'm, going to say, I'm going to say that again to everybody. They don't necessarily really mean that. They, yeah. they will try it and they probably will like it. It's just they're afraid of change. So you're going to have to de-risk the whole situation. You're going to have to make it seem like this is going to be really good for them. Um, even if it doesn't feel that way right now, you're going to try and make it feel as comfortable as possible. And that's what your FAQ sheet and your your little conversations that's what all those should do and that's why i always prefer to do a, do the conversation first before st- sending out any correspondence i know people might do it the other way around but personally i know there's times when i've received emails and stuff and i've interpreted i've interpreted them a certain way and i've already made my decision so i've made my decision as to what i'm now going to do and now the next time i see you you have to convince me otherwise yeah um, and that might just because I'm a bit of a, a stubborn sod or something like that. But I can imagine a scenario where, you know, we, we often underestimate like how hard it is to actually communicate what we're trying to say in an email or a document. It's, it doesn't always come across how we expect it to come across. 
someone might feel like we're taking yeah. something away from them or taking advantage. So have the conversation face to face, deal with any of the initial objections. And the yeah. more of those abje- objections you can just handle and move out of the way, the more it'll make sense to them when they then sit down and read the document and go, actually, this this isn't that much of a big deal at all. I'm over, I'm over egging this. I'm overthinking it. Yeah, and you were spot on. Then you can rewrite your document as well. Once you've got feedback from the people who actually are going to be doing this change, then you can rewrite your document and just back it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Any of those kind of conversations, we've, we've talked about sales calls in the past. They should be as close to a face-to-face interaction as they can possibly be. I don't think text or sending out an email is, is good enough when it comes to these important changes. I think you've got to get on the phone or you've got to speak to them face-to-face. And I even yeah. think in this day and age, because it's so easy to do, I think even if you were going to send an email, I'd even be tempted in that email to send a little video link of you yeah. explaining it. So you might have all the written information there in bullet points or whatever, but there's actually a video of you explaining the price increase, the changes to the business that goes to everyone so that it's it's more normal. It's, it's a conversation. It's a bit more... Yeah. You know, you can script it a little bit and make sure you say what you want to say, but also it comes across in a more personable way. So that's important. Yeah, absolutely. So that little bit there, tell them well in advance. Make sure you're having conversations with everybody first. So you're explaining it to them in person and then you can deal with objections or you can rewrite your document. It's going to back it all up. And then a little FAQ follow up with handling any kind of questions people might have about the changes. Oh, tag on to the end of that as well. Again, we mentioned this before we hit the code is that what if you do lose a couple of clients? What if a couple of people do say, well, I, I don't want to go up in price or if you change into a semi-private model, they might say, well, I, I don't like semi-private. I don't want to do that. And I'm not willing to pay another 10 quid an hour for my one-on-one. Then what, what then? And we spoke a little bit about this. Is Well, you might lose some people. The truth of that matter is there, there might be a few people actually go, well, it's not going to work for me anymore. And that is why you try and create as many options as you can to help people out and to transition them to a different way of working with you. But if you do lose people, and what I would say is, remember the outcome of this is that you're trying to help as many people as possible. You're trying to increase the value for your time and increase your fulfillment in the work that you do and allow you to work more effectively and more efficiently. So if a couple of people drop out, it might not be the end of the world. If you get a better diary, your money is likely to be the same because everybody else's price went up and you might have saved yourself three, four, five hours a week because a couple of clients did drop out. And that then allows you to do better work with those, those clients, potentially pick up some more clients who are going to fit your new model much better. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with all that. And then one of the bonus little points that I put in my notes that sort of helps with this, especially with people that are less confident. Um, And again, I would only ever do this if it's right for your business model as well, is that I I mentioned about this idea of switching the way your clients maybe pay a little bit. So I know that in profit, we generally set it up that they pay like pro rata. It's start of the month, standing order. Um, They're not, if they're doing one a week, they're not paying for four sessions. They're paying for like 4.3 sessions or 8.6 because they're going to get additional weeks every three months and stuff like that. Yeah. But what <laughs> usually you, what confuses you, people that bit, but oh yeah, yeah it, it, confuses it, the shit out of people, <laughs> but it's, it's the way the world works. We're all, we're all paying pro rata for everything else. So your PT should be the same. That's right. But yeah. 
what I've done with a few of my trainers at this point, especially those that have got families that want more time off and things like this. And again, it's about knowing what the future of your business looks like in terms of, you've mentioned it about semi-privates. I think this is another thing you can do is that to mitigate slightly against the increase in price, what you could say to your clients is, is the price is going up, but I'm now going to start charging for that slightly differently. I'm only going to charge you for four weeks in the month. So the amount you've the amount you're paying for sessions wise, you now are you now only paying for four sessions or eight sessions or whatever it is. But what that then means to you as the trainer is you now have the ability to take four weeks off throughout the year and you don't you don't owe anyone anything in terms of catch-up sessions and stuff like that, which usually is something that people have to do um if they are paying via standing order and pro rata and things like that. But and sort of the, the the difficulty in that sometimes is that as you get busier, it's difficult to make up all those extra sessions. You know, if you're doing 30 hours a week of PT, it becomes difficult to catch all that up. And um, I know there's times where I've just refunded people because I've not been able to catch it up and I didn't really want to, if I'm honest with you. Yeah. Um, so a, a different a different setup might be required at that point if it suits you as a person and your business and you can afford that slight switch. It might be that someone's payment is going up a little bit, but not as much as it would have done because we're now changing how that's paid for. And it then gives you some time back where you don't have to rearrange anything. Yeah, that's really interesting because we said at the top of the conversation, it's not just about increasing your money here. It's about increasing your time, your ability to serve your clients better, to fit the rest of your life in and around what you do. I mean, it's so important. So that change in that structure to where... and. The people listening to that, they might not understand the 4.3 or the 8.6, but basically it covers 52 weeks of a year, doesn't it? And what you're doing yeah. is by saying to them, look, you're going to pay for eight sessions 12 times in a year, 48. So you've got four spare weeks where the person's never going to pay. So yeah. use that. Use that to take weeks off every quarter. Like we, we talked a lot in other episodes, haven't we, about having a full week off every quarter to assess your life and your business and how well things are going. And, and that might be the week you take. So you don't have to worry about catching anything up. It's it's maybe more valuable to your business to do that. Just a different way to think about things, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. And I think the 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 danger here is that you you obviously you don't want to lose any of the initial systems and that that we set up. We set them up for a reason, there's a purpose for them. But when people are new into business, they just need a structure to follow, don't they? That's it. They need to be told how we do it, here's why, and it works. Trust the system. But then when you do reach a certain point, and you're at the point where you are considering price increases and stuff, it probably suggests that you're at a different stage of your business and that it can start to work for you a little bit more. So you've got more options. That's all that's it is. So I think we do a bit of a recap on everything here from start yeah. to finish. So first thing is you know, making sure that you do set up some personal finance goals and. Uh, a bit of leverage when you're going to do it and understand when's the right time to do it as well. Are you full? Are you getting great results with your clients? Basically, can you not take anybody else on because your retention and your results are so good? If, in that case, supply uh, demand has outweighed supply and it's time to do an increase. Um, confidence, I loved what you said about that. You know, Build your own confidence and get some testimonials in prior to knowing that you're going to do a price increase and just just get some evidence that you're doing an amazing job. 
Um, and obviously have a check in on that as well. Are you delivering a great service? Is there anything that started to drop, especially if your clients have been with you for 12 months, two years, three years, whatever it is, are you still solving as many problems for them as you were in month three? Is that still a consistent performance from you? And then it was, uh, it was more into the, the how-tos, wasn't it? So do you want to take the kind of how-tos, like setting a deadline to do it? Yeah, yeah. So having that date in mind that gives your clients plenty of notice, doing some of the groundwork ahead of time in regards to maybe writing some of the emails and documents and stuff, but not actually sending any of that yet. Yeah. Going and having the conversations with your clients and getting some feedback and letting them know that you're going to send some stuff out to them just to sort of reiterate everything you've discussed. And then using any feedback to change what you're writing in your email or your documents or the video that you might record that we talked about as well. And then sending that out from there. And then it's just about making sure that nearer the time, you know, I mentioned about if you were going to do it now in May, close to September time, if I've set that deadline, I would just want to send out a, an email to remind everyone standing order needs to change from this date um, and, and explain the new, the new price and things like that. In the meantime, I suppose the other thing we haven't discussed is once you've made the decision to increase your prices, what I would say to really help build confidence is make a promise to yourself that if I'm going to increase my price in September, any new sales conversation I have from today is at that new price now. Yeah, yeah. So if yeah. I start charging an extra five or 10 pounds per session from today, by the time we get to the point of implementing that with current clients and things like that, it's already second nature. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And in your new sales conversations, it's with people that you don't necessarily need to take on anyway. If you've already got a thriving business, if they say no, they say no, you can refer them to another trainer. You know, that's just reminding me of something that that was, uh, we talked about building confidence and that was a big confidence builder for me because we both probably did exactly that. Once I was committed to a price increase, any consult that came in was at the higher price. And once I got a couple of yeses from that, then I was like, well, if they'll pay it, then my current clients will definitely pay it yeah. because you feel like, well, I haven't even really started with these guys yet and they're willing to pay it. So yeah, it sort of changes your identity. You go from yeah. seeing yourself as a 30 pound trainer to a 40 pound trainer. Exactly. Yeah. It, is what it, about, does. it, it totally. It's about identity change. And um, yeah, the last bit kind of to conclude on is there's, there's, there'll be options for people. So it might be that you are changing your business model a bit. You're bringing in some semi-private training, which in some instances can make your, your client's monthly payment cheaper. It can actually make it cheaper. It's just they're going to share their session now. And it's more about kind of selling them the benefits of that and, and why that's a great decision for them to go and do semi-private training now. So that's a kind of different skill set, but not quite on price. It's more about what's good for the client. So that's everything for today on price increases. Yeah, everything definitely. covered. Um, I know that in our next one, Paul, we're going to talk about how to sort of be good in the moment, day to day, in terms of your delivery and stuff like that and, and the work that you do. So it will tie in a little bit to what we talked about today because you need to make sure you're doing that in order to be in a position to do these types of things and move your business forwards. Until next time, if you have enjoyed today's episode, please do make sure you leave us a review and make sure you reach out online as well on social media and stuff. You can find me over at Matt Robinson PT on Instagram. That's where all the podcast stuff goes. Um, you can reach out to me and Paul there if you need any help, which we are always open to helping people out. So just let us know if you need anything, especially in regards to implementing this type of stuff. That's what we do. Yep. Perfect. We will uh, wish you all well and see you on the next episode. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.